we run our business on three metrics and three metrics only. DigitalMarketingRadio.com, the big interview with David Bain. What's the most effective source of website traffic in 2014? How has this changed over the last couple of years? And what's the most important trend to keep an eye on over the next year? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask our special guest today, Matt Foreman. Matt, welcome to DMR. Hi, David. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And uh, you sound very good as well in that um, bird chirping environment. Ah, yes. No, it's a <laughs> glorious day over here in Australia, so I'm just enjoying the, enjoying the sunshine and, and the beautiful weather. Oh, uh, um, <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Matt's the founder and managing director of Trafficker, a, tra- a digital generation firm helping high growth, medium and large organizations to optimize their businesses online. So, Matt, do you find that your average new client understands what they should be doing with their digital marketing strategy? Or do you typically find that you have to educate before you get started? Yeah, that's a great question, David. I think there's probably a couple of different answers to that. I think in a generalized answer, education is a very important um, part of what we do um, in you know the sales process with our new clients and also just generally into the market. I think you know digital marketing is an area that's you know changing by the minute almost, um, and you know the pace of change is also accelerating. So we find that lots of uh, clients or potential clients are coming to us saying, yeah, we've heard about this, we've heard about this, but we don't know what to do about it. Can you help us? And so that's generally the, the starting point for any conversation. Okay. Uh, and in terms of what's working now in 2014, what would you say is the most effective source of traffic at the moment? Well, again, I think that depends um, on the type of industry and the brand itself. Like I think we're seeing, um, particularly in, you know, in retail, particularly in fashion, we're seeing social media driving lots of good quality um, traffic. Um, and I guess it depends also on how you define what quality is because it depends on the objective that uh, the business is trying to achieve. Um, we see Instagram working fantastically for fashion brands at the moment, although it's not driving a lot of traffic. It's obviously driving a lot of brand engagement. Um, but then other social platforms like Facebook and Pinterest are, are huge traffic drivers um, to you know uh, retail websites. Um, not necessarily great for last click conversions um, and how and how you're measuring the success of that, but very very good for building awareness and helping to build you know your email database um, and helping to educate and I guess um, you know, and move clients along the purchase journey as well. Okay, uh, so you mentioned Instagram there for fashion. Um, mm. Is that, um, I mean, you also said that um, not necessarily that great for last click conversion, but can you yeah. actually see them as a referrer in part of the, the, the customer's order journey? Or um, is it a bit of a struggle to actually determine the real value of these kind of social networks? Yeah, great question. I think with Instagram, I think if you're trying to measure it in the context of how is it um, you know, referring traffic and how it's actually contributing to, a, to an online conversion, um, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, I think with Instagram, it very much is a is a brand awareness platform and a brand engagement platform because you're not really driving a lot of traffic from Instagram, um, but what you're doing is generating engagement on Instagram. Um, if you're looking at a you know at a visual network um, to drive traffic, then Pinterest is certainly a, a much more effective um, network, I guess, at driving clicks and traffic through to your website, um, and then being able to visualize that in the purchase journey as well. Um, I guess what we do see with these referrals, like click referrals from social networks to, to websites, particularly e-commerce websites, 
is those um, those conversions are assisted and they're always higher up in, the, in that purchase journey, sort of second, third click, um, as opposed to last click. Okay, and how willing are potential new clients to actually consider your advice on, on, on using networks like Instagram if, if, if they've maybe come from a fairly traditional background and not done too much online marketing in the past? Yeah, um, with I think, again, it depends on the client's objectives and where they are, I guess, in their, in their maturity of, of adoption of digital channels. I think um, you know, the, the logical place to start for brands that are, are new or newish to digital is to actually drive the, the bottom end of the, fun, the funnel, which is obviously conversions. Um, and so, you know, typically you'd focus on um, channels like search um, and some other sort of online um, advertising, direct advertising, email marketing, affiliate marketing, those sort of channels to drive those um direct response type of objectives like um, conversions. Um, but as the sort of brand matures and they're, and they're getting more and more um, you know, confident, um, I guess, with their, with their digital presence, um, they're moving them sort of up the funnel into some of those um, you know, more brand awareness building channels um, in social. Um, there's definitely a big appetite for that as well. In terms of measuring conversions, obviously the quality of the website is paramount. Yeah. How much of a challenge do you often actually face with um, websites that perhaps take too long to load, don't work properly on on mobile devices, and are you able to deal with that and persuade clients to change them? Oh, that's a never-ending challenge that we have, and I think everyone in the (laughs) industry has that because I think as soon as you've developed um, you know, a new website or a new mobile site or a new mobile app, you know, new technologies come out that almost makes it obsolete. So it's trying to keep up with that investment cycle that's a bit of a challenge sometimes. Um, yeah, look, I think Google um, are, are really forcing a lot of brands to perform very well from a usability and site performance perspective. And by that, I mean, you know, a lot of the changes they've made to their algorithm um, in past years has really been about site performance, so um, page load times, you know, uh, technical errors, um, crawlability of the website. And now we've seen recently they've um, started to introduce HTTPS, so secure websites are getting favoured um, in the rankings as well. So, you know, those brands that provide their customers with a secure online experience, um, Google's algorithm is going to favour them and push them towards the top um, a little bit higher. Um, and then mobile as well. You know, if, if your site's not mobile responsive, um, Google won't, won't favour that above the site that is mobile responsive. So... There is a whole lot of usability and, you know, I guess customer experience issues that are really critical, not just in providing a great experience to your customer, but technically really critical to actually send the right uh, information and signals to the algorithms um, so that those algorithms, whether that be Google or Facebook or whatever the platform, um, looks more favorably on your on your website and, and helps to make it easy, more easily discoverable. Okay, and you mentioned Google, obviously. Um, last time I looked, uh, Google had something like 94, 94% share of the marketplace in Australia. Um, yeah. Is it worthwhile, from a pay-per-click perspective, looking at any other network in Australia, or is it just Google where it's at? We actually had that conversation yesterday with the team. Um, so the way that it works in Australia is um, Yahoo um, is actually bought through Google now. So if you're buying Google paid search, you're actually buying Yahoo as well. Um, so really the only network you're not getting is Bing. Um, and I think Bing is about 3 or 4% of the market. So unless there's a, a very, very specific um, audience that's on Bing that's not on the other um, search engines, um, you can get access to almost 100% of the market buying through Google for paid search in Australia. Okay, and you also mentioned something interesting. Um, Google 
including HTTPS in part of its mm. algorithm now, potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, do you think that's something important for non-transactional sites to do as well? Or is it only e-commerce sites that need to be concerned about that? Yeah, I think Google, as they do, has left that fairly vague. Um, the, I guess the advice that we're giving our clients and the advice we're adopting ourselves is anywhere where there's user information passed, if even if that's a name and an email address, so for an email sign-up form um, or for a, you know, a contact form, anytime there's personal information passed, secure it with HTTPS. Um, if, if it's purely a blog and there's no exchange of information, it's just one-way broadcasting of information, uh, you'd be pretty safe to think that you know, HTTPS isn't going to impact that. But certainly if Google can see that there's forms and submits and things like that, uh, you know, our, our feeling, and I guess from what we've read and understood, um, is that Google are looking for HTTPS to secure um, any of that um, transmission. Okay, um, so that's a little bit about what's happening at the moment. Do you have any thoughts on what's going to happen over the next year or so? Is Google going to um, stay as dominant as it is? Um, and um, are there any other social networks that might come onto the scene that m- might be the ones to look at in the future? Mm, well, I think it depends on where you are in the world, um, the answer to that question. Um, I think contextually here in Australia, Google's got a very strong foothold um, in search and there's just no way I can see that going um, anywhere anytime soon. Uh, you know, Facebook is a hugely um, uh, strong performer in social here in Australia. I think they've got something like 11 million Australian, 12 million Australian adults on Facebook and there's um, that's about 75% of the adult um, population in Australia. Um, so they've definitely got very high penetration, high stickiness. There's 6 million Australians that use Facebook on their mobile every single day. Um, so, you know, I think between Google and Facebook, they're certainly the two dominant um, players here. Um, there's a lot of sort of second and third tier um, sites here um, that we see that, you know, are trying to challenge, uh, I guess, Google and Facebook for some of that marketing budget. I wouldn't say that they're challenging them in the context of search or social media, but certainly different options where brands can look to uh, to you know to find customers and generate traffic, um, you know, from some of these second or third tier providers, whether that be deals, websites, or email databases, or you know some more of these hybrid sort of paper performance type models that we're starting to see come through now as well. Okay, and um, I'm also interested in your thoughts on um, the differences between SEO. Um, in Australia, perhaps compared with um, the UK or the US. Um, obviously, yeah. in terms of um, the volume of competitors, generally it, it may be a little bit less. Does that mean that slightly shadier link building tactics may work a little bit more there? Um, or is, is the algorithm, would you say, fairly similar across the world? That is a very good question. Um, now, I can't speak on behalf of Google as to what or may not be in their algorithm. However, what we do know and what we what we have reverse engineered, I guess, and tried to understand ourselves is Google are in the process of, you know, I use their language, they're trying to retrain their algorithm right now. Uh, they got to a point, I think, um, with their algorithm where it was highly polluted because of all the, the shady techniques um, that were happening. And, you know, there's still a lot of shady techniques happening now. And I, I see particularly around local search here in Australia, there's still so much dodgy, um, you know, black and grey hat sort of activity happening that's still driving websites to the top in the rankings. However, it, it can, it's not sustainable at some point. 
the algorithm's going to actually figure out, okay, there's all this dodgy you know, behavior going on and, and penalize those sites for it. So it's just not worth it. I think, you know, it's, it, is Google perfect? No, it's not perfect right now. I think that, that, that retraining of their algorithm is, is really what they're trying to do. And by that, I mean, they're trying to find other signals other than backlinks to actually indicate authority and relevancy. And, you know, social may or may not be a part of that. You know, author rank may or may not be a part of that. But I think ultimately, end of the day, when we sort of advise our clients, just focus on, on doing really good quality marketing, producing great content, being really relevant to your customers, providing an awesome user experience, whether that's online or on mobile or on tablet or offline or whatever the device may be. And build your authority and just build your authority in a really authentic, natural way. And, you know, traditionally that is, you know, traditional PR. It's good, high-quality, you know, content marketing, kind of like the stuff you and I are doing now where we're sharing information with each other and, you know, hopefully um, you'll be able to direct people back to our website from, from, from the result of this. And, you know, that's good, authentic, quality uh, marketing and that's what builds your authority. Excellent. Okay, I'd like to move on to the second half of the interview, and that's your thoughts on what's happening in digital marketing in general today. And that begins with... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? Without a doubt, Google Analytics. Now, that's not a very sexy answer, (laughs) but it's something that we, we just use intimately every single day um, for ourselves, for our customers. And, you know, one of the first things I do every morning is I go into Google Analytics and, and see what happened yesterday with, with traffic and with our, you know, with our website and with our mobile site and what's happening on social media. And, you know, it's just a part of our daily activity. Okay. And what about what software that you don't use at the moment, but you've heard good things about and you've meant to perhaps try at some point in the future? Oh, there's, 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 there's so much, isn't there? Yeah. Like every day there's new software coming out. I'm going to stick with the, with the Data Geek um, answer here. I'm going to say Tableau. Um, and again, it's not a very sexy answer. It's like a business intelligence software that helps you, you know, pivot and segment data. Um, you know, we, uh, some of the guys in my team have, do use it. I haven't had a chance to actually um, use it yet. Um, but certainly I see what the answers that they're able to generate from it by you know, pivoting data and, and, and looking at different types of data and segmenting data in different ways. Um, and I see it as a very powerful tool. So I'd love to get my hands on it at some point when I find some time and uh, start asking it some intelligent questions. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well and what do you think that you should have maybe done differently? That's very easy. Everything is what I didn't do well. <laughs> I've been involved with the web since '96, and my background was in um, technology. Right. Um, so I used to do um, technical training and, and uh, for Microsoft and help people set up Microsoft networks and uh, Microsoft web servers way back in the very, very early days of the internet. So um, the first website I built was um, written in uh, Notepad. Um, so it's hand coded HTML, mm-hmm. um, and it was horrific it looked terrible um, but I thought it was pretty cool because you could click on the link and it take you to another page and it was all very fancy um, and I think after that I realized it needed some pictures and some graphics and you know, design isn't my forte uh, so I think I ended up using Microsoft front page back then to actually grab a template and build a very static site so you know back then it was very much around the technology didn't actually consider the customer or the user experience at all it was all about the technology and, and how as a technologist I could make these pages link to each other and talk to each other. I think probably the lesson though from that is you know, you've got to be customer centric in your thinking, you've got to be customer centric in your design and that's one of the challenges that we come across with clients 
all of the time um, is their, the context in which they're trying to create their, their experiences in the context of what they're trying to tell customers and, and what, the, what products they're trying to sell or you know, what products got the highest margin in their business when really that's the wrong way of looking at it. It really needs to start with the customer and what's their problem and what's their need and what are their emotional drivers and really understanding that customer um, persona and what's motivating them um, and then begin your technical design and, and your user experience design um, from there. So that's definitely the lesson I'd take from that. Wow, 1996, I'm impressed with that. <laughs> I remember designing websites in Dreamweaver in about 2003 and, and thinking that's yeah. a long time ago, but uh, that takes it back um, to just about the stage of when Yahoo and eBay were thinking of founding. It's, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Well, blessed back then. <laughs> best advice I've ever received. What is the best piece of digital marketing advice that you've ever received? So that's a question that I thought a little bit about, and I think. It's more general business advice, but it also applies very um, uh, relevant to digital marketing as well. And I actually didn't get this advice directly. I heard it on a podcast, and it was from Jack Dorsey, one of the you know, founder of Twitter and, and Square. Um, and he was saying, obsessed about the details, just minimize the number of details. And I think if you think about that in the context of business, it's such a it's such a really powerful piece of advice. Um, we run our business on three metrics and three metrics only. Um, and in the context of marketing where you're just overwhelmed, there's an abundance of metrics and data and information. Um, if you can actually just distill that down to the most important one or two or maximum of three you know, details that you should obsess about and just focus on them, that's where you're going to create maximum impact. I think you know, one of the mistakes people make sometimes is they get lost in all the different metrics and all the different data um, and they end up being quite ineffective because they don't know which lever to pull to drive the right result. Okay. And we discussed before um, we started recording, actually, that you were in the process of producing a few videos. I, I think it would be great, actually, um, to, to share you know, one or two of them, actually, with, within the publication you know, Digital Marketing Radio. Um, so do you want to tell the listener a little bit about um, what those videos entail and then we'll obviously embed them um, underneath these comments? Um, so we're producing um, a whole series of different um, digital marketing uh, videos, um, ranging sort of in, in length from sort of 90 seconds through to about five minutes. Um, the main formats will be the educational videos, where they'll be sort of short, sharp, little educational pieces, um, answering a very specific question. Um, there's also um, interviews where we've got uh, interviewing some of our team and some of our clients and just some other thought leaders as well. Um, and the third component of it will be inspiration videos where we sort of produce these short, you know, five to five minute sort of little mini documentaries around, I guess, brands that are doing an exceptional job um, in digital um, and sort of showcasing, you know, what they're doing and how they're thinking about digital um, a little bit differently. Excellent. And we'll um, embed that just below the section in the, the magazine as well then. Um, but let's move on to... The this or that round. Now, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Ready. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Oh, Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Can I say both? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone. Website or app? 
website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email. Local marketing or global marketing? Oh, I local. Let's move on to... The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? That's very easy. I'd spend it on developing an awesome piece of content um, and I'd spend part of it on actually promoting that piece of content, so amplifying its reach through different advertising channels and I'd measure its success based on both the number of people that engage with that content, so clicked through and, la- and visited the landing page, um, the number of people that shared that content, the number of people that gave us their email address in order to download the content, um, and ultimately, um, I guess you'd measure its success out the back end of the number of um, uh, sales that you made through that nurture process out of the back end of it. Right, okay. And in terms of the content, would you produce everything yourself, and what format would it be? Would it be ebook, video, blog post, or something else? I think it would be either video or ebook, and if it was an ebook, there may be some embedded video into it to make it an interactive ebook as well. But um, with a ten thousand dollar budget, and if I needed to spend it on media as well, I think I'd probably spend it on an ebook um, because it would get uh, more bang for our buck. I think. Great stuff. My number one takeaway. Well, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, so thanks for that. But what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? I think customer centricity um, would have to be a really key component of that. So start with thinking about what is your customer's problem, what are their needs, what are their fears, their frustrations, their desires, their emotional triggers, understanding your customer first and foremost. Um, and then as you start to um, roll that out as a digital marketing strategy, understand where different channels play a role in that customer journey because not all channels are going to convert as we sort of talked about at the start. And some channels like Instagram, for example, are great at awareness and engagement but are not going to drive traffic. And other channels like paid search um, and affiliate, for example, are going to drive you know, lots of traffic and, and lots of conversions as well. So yeah, measure the right channel for the right job. Excellent. Okay, well, um, thanks, Matt. That takes us to the end of our discussion today. Um, Thanks so much for your your time, your focus, and your willingness to battle a wildlife there in Australia. (laughs) Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks very much for the opportunity to be involved as well. No problem. I tell you, what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you, what you do, and perhaps some contact details? Yeah, so to, to find out more about our agency at Trafficker, just visit visit Trafficker, which is T-R-A-F-F-I-K-A.com.au. Um, and if you want to connect with me, I'm probably most active on Facebook, which is just Matt Foreman, so M-A-T-T-F-O-R-M-A-N, um, or LinkedIn. And again, it's just Matt Foreman on LinkedIn as well. Wonderful. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks, David. Have a great day. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast, delivered as a weekly digital magazine, automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing Radio.